Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now, Nineveh will be destroyed. The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they declared a fast and put on burlap to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in burlap and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals from your herds and flocks, may eat or drink anything at all. People and animals alike must wear garments of mourning, and everyone must pray earnestly to God. They must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell, perhaps even yet, God will change his mind and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw what they had done and how they had put a stop to their evil ways, he changed his mind and did not carry out the destruction he had threatened. This change of plan greatly upset Jonah and he became very angry. So he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left that you would do this, Lord? This is why I ran away from Tarshish. I know that you are a merciful and compassionate God, slow to angry and filled with unfailing love. You are eager to turn back from destroying people. So just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive if what I predicted will not happen. The Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see what would happen to the city. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased his discomfort. And Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God had also arranged for a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant so that it withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God arranged for a scorching east wind to blow on Noah, Jonah. (laughs) The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than living like this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, You feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. It came quickly and died quickly. But Nineveh, has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry 
for such a great city. Here ends this morning's reading. Now this morning we are continuing our series in the Minor Prophets by looking at what probably or definitely is uh, the best known of the Minor Prophets, the prophet Jonah. So if you do have your Bible there, uh, please do turn back to Jonah chapter 3 and 4. Now, this story is uh, very well known, and indeed we've looked at it fairly recently uh, in church. We did a whole series uh, on it, Jonah the prophet uh, who ran away. Now, I'm pretty sure that most of us will know the context of Jonah, uh, which is why we didn't do the Bible Project video today, but uh, you do have uh, the sheet before you uh, if you want to refer to that. Jonah is a prophet who is instructed by God to go to Nineveh and to prophesy against the people there because the people are found doing all these wicked things. And as we probably know, Jonah, when he hears this message from God, this call from God, he doesn't go, does he? He doesn't go to Nineveh. He goes completely the other direction and instead he heads for Tarshish. He runs away from God, and he runs away from God's instruction. Now we'll also know that despite Jonah's attempt to escape, that God doesn't allow him uh, safe travel to Tarshish. We know the story, don't we? Because as Jonah gets on a boat and begins the sail, what happens? Well, God causes a storm, and this storm was quite a storm, so much so that the sailors are, are anxious. They begin uh, praying. They wonder between themselves who has caused this storm. And suddenly they realize it's Jonah. Jonah admits to it. So what happens? Well, Jonah is thrown overboard from the boat he's traveling in. And then, of course, he's swallowed by the whale or the big fish. And he spends three days, three nights in the belly of the whale. That's significant, of course. If you know your New Testament, it's very significant. Because, of course, it's a sign, isn't it, of Jesus. Jesus, who spent three nights in the tomb. So we see Jonah, and he's in the belly of the whale, and eventually he's spat up on the shore. And we reach the beginning uh, of chapter uh, And what we see in chapter 3 and 4 of the book of Jonah is that this is a story of second chances. A story of second chances. Because if you are listening carefully, chapter 3 begins, The Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. A second time. And this time, What does Jonah do? He doesn't run away again. He doesn't decide to go off to Tarshish. What does he do? Jonah obeys God's command. And he goes to Nineveh. And he prophesies. Forty days from now. And Nineveh will be destroyed. It's quite a message, isn't it? It must have been quite a thought for Jonah. Because you've got to remember, Nineveh is a Gentile city. That he's going to. And yet he's coming in and declaring this message, 40 days. If you don't turn from your ways, Nineveh will be destroyed. Now the wonderful thing here is that when the Ninevites hear this message from Jonah's lips, 
that they don't just dismiss it. They don't see this guy Jonah and say, who are you? We don't believe what you're saying. We'll just continue on with life as it is. The wonderful thing is that they believe it. They believe this message. And they don't just believe it. They actually do something about it. They declare a fast. And they put on burlap. That is kind of hessian, kind of rough cloth. A sign of mourning and and sorrow. And you see, even the king takes off his royal robes and, and he mourns. And even more astonishing is that this king sends out a decree for all the people. And interestingly, the animals as well. Animals are fascinating in the book of Jonah. And he sends out this decree to all the people and to the animals to wear garments of mourning and to pray earnestly to God. And they do so in the hope that God will hear. And God will hold back his anger and his, and his judgment upon them. And so what I want you to see is that there is this holy fear upon the people of Nineveh. They take Jonah's message seriously. They're in mourning and, and fasting. They're in confession. Now I just want to pause there for a moment or two. Because remember, this is a Gentile city. This is not a God-fearing place. And yet when Jonah preaches God's message, the response is dramatic, isn't it? It's a complete turnaround. And we have this wonderful verse, verse 10, where God sees what the Ninevites have done, how they have stopped their evil ways, and he does not carry out the destruction he had threatened. It's a wonderful verse, isn't it? You see, we've seen in the other minor minor prophets that God is a God who is slow to anger and who is rich in unfailing love. And that's what we see here in Jonah, isn't it? There is also a question here in verse 10, isn't there? Because we know elsewhere in Scripture that it says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. We know that God is immutable and that God doesn't change. So, so we might come to verse 10 and we might think to ourselves, well, how come God changes his mind? There's a question in other parts of Scripture about that too. Why does God change his mind? Does this mean that God is flighty? That he constantly changes his mind just in response to what, whatever is happening on the ground? Well, I don't think so. Because what happens here in Jonah is exactly consistent with God's character, isn't it? Because God is slow to anger and rich in love. That is who he is. And so how God acts here is entirely consistent with the loving God that he is. And the loving God that we see throughout Scripture. It's also consistent with what else we've seen in the minor prophets. Because we've thought about before, especially in the last three weeks, about the day of the Lord. That the day of the Lord is coming. 
But what's the other thing that we've also noted? There's still time. The day of the Lord has not come yet. And so there's still time to repent. There is still time to change. There's still time to receive God's grace. And that's true for us, isn't it? The day of destruction has not yet come. And for those who repent and believe, there is still time. Now, what about Jonah in the midst of all this? Well, you might think that Jonah would be delighted. You see, this time, Jonah's been faithful to God. He has preached God's word, and what a response there's been. If I went round West Kilbride saying in 40 days there's going to be destruction, turn back to God, and everyone started mourning, putting on their sackcloth, and saying, we really need God. Do you not think I would be thrilled? Wow, people are turning to God. How wonderful that would be. It's wonderful that there's repentance. Wonderful that God has withheld his, his judgment at this time. But this change of plans, as it's translated in your Bible, greatly upsets Jonah. And he becomes very angry. It's quite a strange response, isn't it? And he complains to the Lord. He says this. He says, didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That's why I ran away to Tarshish. I knew that you're a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Now, despite his failings, Jonah clearly has a good understanding, doesn't he, of the character of God. He understands the character of God. He knows that the Lord is merciful. He knows that the Lord is compassionate and loving and so on. But rather than being happy about this, Jonah is seething. He's angry. Indeed, I hope you notice, Jonah is prone to exaggeration. He wants to die. Because you've done this, Lord, I want to die. This is unfair. He's bitter. He's unhappy. He's grumpy. Now, what we need to notice, and if you read the whole of the book of Jonah, you'll notice that the Ninevites, the king of the Ninevites, the sailors earlier on, they come out much better than Jonah. Jonah's grumpy. He's bitter. And he's angry about this. He's angry. Why would God do this? Why would God withhold his hand? And we have to understand here that the Ninevites were the enemies of the Israelites. And Jonah doesn't want the Ninevites to prosper in any way. He wants them to be crushed. That's the reality. But even so, does Jonah have any right to be angry? Well, the last part of the story deals with that question, doesn't it? Because Jonah goes to sit on the east side of the city to see what will happen. Now, now God has already said, look, he's changed his mind. This is not going to happen. But there's Jonah, and he's going to sit on the side of the city just to see. You know, is God going to send, you know, thunderbolts down or not? And so he sits there. 
And it seems to me that he's in a bit of a cream puff. He's in a huff. He's in a sulk over this whole business. And he sits down, grumpy, looking over the city. And as he's sitting there, looking over the city, the sun is beating down. And I don't know about you, I've got a feeling that, you know, a bit like me, Jonah's losing his hair a wee bit. And he's also, you know, he's obviously feeling the sun beating down in his head. And, and this, this plant grows up, caused by God. And it gives Jonah just a, a bit of shade. And, and Jonah's really grateful for the plant. But then the Lord arranges this worm, this worm to eat up the plant. And so the plant is bitten through and the plant clearly withers. And then the sun beats down on Jonah and Jonah has no shelter And Jonah's angry about it again. Then the Lord speaks to Jonah. And the Lord makes it clear in the last couple of verses of this book that Jonah did nothing to put the plant there in the first place. So why should he be angry when the plant dies? And the Lord makes it clear that that's a picture for Jonah. Because there are 120,000 people in Nineveh. People living in spiritual darkness. Plus animals, interestingly. Therefore, why should the Lord not feel sorry for such a great city? Why should he not? Because that's the kind of God that he is. There are two things that I want us to think about from this story of Jonah especially. The first thing is this. Are we like Jonah? If we're honest with ourselves, are we a little bit like Jonah? See, I hope that you notice that what happens to Jonah in chapters 1 and 2 parallels what happens in the life of the people of Nineveh. Because what does Jonah do in chapter 1? Well, Jonah disobeys God. God tells him to do something, he does the complete opposite. And yet, in chapter 2, what happens with Jonah? Jonah's given a second chance. He's given a second chance. Because he's swallowed by the fish. His life is preserved. And then in chapter 3, he's given that second chance to obey God once more. So what I want you to see is Jonah's life parallels what happens to the Ninevites. You see, the Ninevites, when their sin is pointed out, are given a second chance. But even though Jonah has been a recipient of God's grace and mercy himself, Jonah isn't willing for others to receive God's mercy. And instead, what do we find? Jonah's angry. And Jonah's grumpy. And I want to say to us this morning, are we like that in our lives? Do we want God to crush others, but to be merciful to us? That's the challenge in the book of Jonah. Do we understand that God has been merciful to us? See, that's Jonah doesn't understand that, doesn't he? He doesn't understand that when he's thrown overboard from the boat, that God could have just left him, and justifiably so. But God doesn't. He sends a great big fish to swallow and preserve Jonah's life. 
Jonah doesn't understand as he's sitting, watching over the city, that God provides this plant for him and then takes it away. But it's all of God and it's not to do with Jonah. Do we understand how merciful God has been to us? That God has shown his great love in Jesus. And that when we believe and trust in Jesus, then it's not about us going, ah, they shouldn't believe in Jesus, they're not good enough. Because we need to look inside and say, look, God has saved me and I'm a sinner. And yet God has been so merciful to me. Therefore, God, I ask, will you be merciful to others? Because that is the kind of God that you are. Do we understand how merciful God has been to us? You see, the reality is, in this book, that those who are pagan come out much better than Jonah does. And the question for us today is, are we compassionate towards others? So much so that we want God to be merciful to them as he has been to us. Now the second thing, just as we conclude this morning, is God's character. There's something wonderful in the book of Jonah about God's character. You see, God could justifiably have destroyed the Ninevites. They were wicked. They were disobedient. But he gives them a second chance. Why? Because that's the kind of God he is. That is his character. And it's no secret, because even Jonah knows that this is the case. Indeed, God's character is the reason that Jonah ran away in the first place. I knew that you're a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Now, as you look at that verse this morning, do you really believe it? Do you really believe it? Do you really believe that this is what God is like? Because throughout the Bible, this is what we see. And we know that it is so. And yet so often it's as though we don't really believe it in our hearts. Sometimes we think, you know, God is harsh. You know, God is just waiting to crush us. Or maybe as we look back in our lives, we think, you know, I've done things I regret in my life, and therefore I'm too far away from God. And there's no way that I can turn back now. But if this story teaches us anything, it's that God is a God of second chances. And third chances. And fourth chances. Because God wants us to come to him. Do we really believe this in our hearts? You see, Jonah wants God to be something else. He wants God to be someone else. He tries to make him in his own image. He waits to see if he will destroy the Ninevites. Jonah's basically saying, if I were God, I would be destroying them. That's basically what he's saying. Whereas God is saying, I am a God who is 
a merciful and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. Therefore, as I see these people who are in spiritual darkness, as I see them turn from their wicked ways, I will withhold my hand. See, God is God. He's not like us. He's a God of compassion and love. The God who loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. You see, if God had been like Jonah, God would not have sent Jesus. But I am so thankful that God is not like Jonah, but God is like God. And God sends his only Son because God loves us so much. Do you believe that today? As you look at this passage, as you look at that verse, let's marvel at the character of God. Let's be so grateful for the grace that He has shown to us. And following in His footsteps, let us be the people that God has created us to be. Let's not be grumpy and angry like Jonah. It's not very attractive, is it? But as we understand, God has loved me. God has shown compassion to me and grace to me. Let's be a people of love and a people of compassion and a people of mercy. As we proclaim the good news of the gospel, that we want people to come into the kingdom. And why do we want people to come into the kingdom? Because God wants them to come into the kingdom. How do we know that? Because we see it in the Bible. Let's follow in the footsteps of God. Let's be compassionate as He is compassionate. Let's be merciful as He is merciful. Let's love as God loves. Shall we just pray together? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word to us this day. And this story of Jonah is perhaps familiar to us all. And yet we see how Jonah, in many ways, wants things done his way. He wants there to be judgment. He wants enemies to be destroyed. Rather than seeing your mercy and your justice and your love being done. We thank you, Lord God, that throughout the Bible, we see that in your character, that you're a God of love, that you're slow to anger, that you're compassionate and you're gracious. We thank you that most of all, we see your love and your grace and compassion in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we thank you that you sent him in the world, into the world to pay the price for our sin, that we might be forgiven and set free. And Father, as we know your character, as we know all that you have done for us, we pray that we would not look at others and wish them to be destroyed and them to be judged. But rather, we would look at them and that we would pray for them that they too might know your mercy and your love and your compassion. So, Father, we pray that we might know that you're a God of the second chance today, that you're a God of love, 
Help us to be people of love and to follow in your footsteps. For we pray these things in Jesus' name and for his sake.